our generation know more than ever before about the importance of parenting, especially those first five years. Like That was never a thing. We didn't understand about brain development and the importance of it, but the structures to support us actually do what we want to do about that haven't changed, haven't come into place yet. So we're just in this pressure cooker. And I think me really understanding that perfect storm and the pressure cooker that I'm in and our generation in has been a game changer for me because it gives me so much compassion. I'm like, oh, I get it. That's why, like, it's not me. You talk about that. It's not a me thing. It's a thing. Like, it's a thing. It's a thing. And I think the more we know about ideal ways to parent, ideal ways to respond, and ideal ways to nurture confidence and self-esteem and all of these things, we then set a bar that we need to do that all the time and that we should do that all the time. Like, I think we need to inject the humanness back into into these conversations. And that's what the book does. It's really looking at the fantasy version of our motherhood that we have in our minds, how it is like that, why it's like that, both through our upbringing and the culture and just narratives that have been affirmed throughout our lives. Perhaps we people pleasing in motherhood, that's a heavy thing for some people because it, if we please others, people are pleased with us. So many of these things actually get affirmed along the way and they help us be more successful and more likable, but actually at what cost? And do we need to be successful in everything and liked by everyone? And what weight is that upon our shoulders? And just injecting some humanness back into our version of motherhood. You're so right. Sometimes people ask me like, what's your favorite thing about having a podcast and speaking to all these experts? And I think it's something that a lot of people don't expect me to say, which is that my favorite thing is that every single, from like Dr. Becky to Dr. Shafali to Gabble, like they have all said some version of, I completely messed it up and I mess it up most days. And that is genuinely my favorite thing about speaking to them because I'm like, Ah, so Dr. Shafali, like massive, arguably the biggest of our time parenting coach is essentially saying that she too gets it wrong all the time, doesn't know what she's doing, feels like she's failing. I think people feel like that about about you, Anna, when you say, I get it wrong, I don't know what I'm doing, because it's just completely freeing and validating that we do live in this new world of parenting content that just didn't exist 15 years ago, 20 years ago, didn't exist it's so new. And I love that it's like, just remember, take what's helpful, but remember, do not use it as another stick for yourself. Absolutely. And we recognize that sometimes we're not getting things right in ways that a generation or two ago, they wouldn't have even questioned because they wouldn't have known that there was a right and a wrong. They were just getting on with it. So the pressure is absolutely immense. And there's a statistic somewhere. I can't remember if it was Winnicott it was one of these amazing kind of child development psychologists. And, and he said, I think it was, you have to get, get it right. What was it? Oh, was it 40 or 60% of the time? Anyway, it's 30%. 30%. Well, that's even better, Zoe. That's even better. What I like about that is that it isn't a hundred. It's not even close to a hundred. If I'm a perfect parent, what does that do to my kids when they're having to walk and live and navigate a very messy and perfect world that I help them in no way. I help them in no way. The repair is all about the trying. It's all about the equipping ourselves and nurturing ourselves, accepting the messy imperfectness of life that wouldn't have even been questioned a few years ago because they didn't know quite what good and perfect looked like. It's actually insane how much parental 
standards have risen. It's an incredible thing, right? Don't get me wrong. It's an incredible thing that we don't hit our children anymore. But 30 years ago, that was completely standard. If you think about that, how different it is today, no wonder we're feeling the pressure. Someone said to me, I think it might have been Julia Samuel. You know her, don't you? She's just gorgeous. She said, parenting was never a verb in my generation. You were a parent and you just, you know, controlled your kids. I'm not saying this was right, by the way. It's so good where we are. But I think it's so powerful to recognize how different it is for us, for our generation. Even in my nearly nine years of parenting, I look back and think about some of the approaches that I took on discipline and naughty steps and all that, because that's what I was told. This is good. This is the way you get your kids to do what you want them to do. Even in those few years, you know, I look back and I could very easily feel ashamed at how I approach stuff. Actually, I didn't know then. I know different stuff now. We know different stuff. We do different stuff. But then we do have to be careful if we're lumping the guilt and the shame on top of that. That just adds to a lot. And that really contributes to burnout, I think, because it's too much. It's too heavy. Tell me about guilt, because I know that you really think about it a lot and you scratch away at the surface of guilt. And why is it so prevalent? And it's gendered. It is gendered. The studies show that. Mum guilt, what's husband guilt? It's not even a term that we're okay with. Yeah, exactly. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. (laughs) Yeah, I think guilt, oh, I don't even feel guilty as much as I used to. And I think what I mean by that is I feel guilt, but I let it serve its purpose. It's there to prompt me. I let it prompt me and then I flip and let it go. Because if we don't let guilt go and if we don't observe it and we don't move through the process, which I actually created, I don't know if I've spoken to you about this before at all, to use but all feelings of guilt that arise because I was like, there's got to be a way. This is just, there's guilt upon guilt upon guilt. And it was in the pandemic and I sat at my desk one day in a rare moment of work and I felt even more layers of guilt because of home learning and just everything that added to parenting at that point. So I made up this tool and it's called the ACT tool, A-C-T. And it helps you move through guilt. It helps you feel guilt deal with it and then let it go so it doesn't linger. And when it lingers, it turns into shame, doesn't it? That's when we start going from, oh, I did something that wasn't really ideal to I'm a failure. I'm not enough. I don't deserve my kids. I don't deserve good things. And we move away from those self-caring, nurturing things because inherently underneath it all, we just don't feel deserving. We feel like we need to punish ourselves because that guilt's just lingered and landslid into shame. So the act all very simply is A is address, just label it. I feel guilty for shouting at my kids this morning. Okay. Labeled it. C, compassion. And it's that sense that we need compassion to start disrupting shame. Compassion is like the antidote to shame. You can't feel that same shame when you experience compassion. So how can we add some compassion into that? So I might say, right, shout at the kids this morning, feel really guilty and ashamed about that. What compassion can I give myself? What would a friend say? What would I say to someone that I loved? You've got a lot on your plate. You're exhausted. You had a rough night. It's not about taking responsibility away. It's just about recognizing that you're a fallible human being with limited resources, just acknowledging that. So I might, yeah, I might say you're exhausted, had a rough night. You've got a lot on your plate. It was stressful. And as you often say, we often say it's hard because it was flipping hard. That's why it was hard. It was stressful. So then the T is the tweak. So if guilt is there to prompt us, what in that situation is it prompting me to do? I might think, right, I'm done in. 
I'm going to let that guilt prompt me to prioritize going for a walk because that's something that I never feel the same when I get back from a walk than I do when I've left. It just helps me or it might be I'm going to offload to a friend or I'm going to just do some breathing to help my body get out of that fight or flight stress response. If it's going to prompt you, what is it prompting you to do? So I move through those steps and I don't feel guilt as much. I still feel guilt, but it just doesn't stay with me in the same way that then finds you punishing yourself because that's what we do. If we believe we've done something wrong, we don't feel like we're deserving of that support, of that time, of that care, of that prioritizing the things that we need or even acknowledging our needs. So that's where I'm at with guilt. It's so hard as well when we feel guilty. See, I notice that so much of the guilt that I experience comes from me absorbing like other people's standards for what a mother is. Like I feel guilty for working sometimes. You know, my little three-year-old could be at home with me all day. She doesn't need to be at school. She's at nursery. And sometimes I can feel like a pang, not as much anymore, but like a pang of guilt about that. And I'm like, hang on a minute, where did I get the idea? It's not my idea that a good mother has a child and is with them 24 hours. That's not my idea. Where's that from? Okay. Well, my mum did do that. She didn't work for 18 years. Okay. That has something to do with it. Oh, and I've basically been absorbed since I was born. You know, we've been indoctrinated with these messages. I find that really, really helpful. It's like... So that's the compassion there is that it's not surprising you have that narrative when you've grown up with that narrative and it's coming at you from all directions. And, you know, what's the tweak there is, is as you've just said, to think, is that even in line with what I want? Am I actually okay? How can I act on the back of this and let it go? It's in line with my values to work. Like I want to be independent. I want to put something out in the world of purpose. I like my girls seeing me do that. Do you know what I mean? It's in my values. So this guilt is not coming from me. It's just so there, isn't it? That guilt is bubbling under the surface, just waiting. I know. But in that moment, you've done that whole three steps. You've moved through it. And at the end, the tweak is sometimes recognizing that it's unjustified guilt. It's not yours to carry and you're going to put it down. And this is where it's so good to observe the guilt. Otherwise, you just let that sit there. And you might then even like subconsciously, maybe some work comes your way and you're like, oh, you take it in bad faith because it just doesn't, oh, it's jarring with the guilt that you feel and it starts shaping the decisions that you make. And then maybe you feel bad for working. So you kind of overcompensate with the girls and then you exhaust yourself because you're trying to prove that, you know, working isn't impacting your resources or, or whatever it is, is that when we don't address it it just infiltrates things and we're less authentic and we lose ourselves a little bit 